Hello? Hello? It's me. So, hello everybody. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Audacious Aunties Chatter. Oh, we swapped this week. And I hope. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) Yeah, well. But no, do you want to claim a bag? Yes, please. And I hope. Go on, claim it back then. Alright, welcome to Audacious Aunties Chatter. My name's Manvir. My name's Asia. And today I am going to talk to you about a really cool lady called Leonora Carrington. Oh, okay. So she has a really interesting life, so the first bit will be very much centred on that. I'm excited. I love an artist with an interesting life. Yeah. So she is quite a modern artist mm-hmm. in the sense that she was only born in 1917 and she died in 2011. Ah, nice. So, so if we... 20th century. Gal, yeah. We yes. like that. To summarise her life, she was born in Clayton Green in Lancashire in England, yeah. Classic. And basically, she had quite a wild childhood. Um, she was expelled from two schools when she was little. Ah, nice. I know. That reminds me of Amrita. I, I know. She, this girl is, like, very crazy as well. You know, nice. we, we love a good, like, a wild child uh-huh. in our midst. Um, but yeah, she was um, expelled for rebellious behaviour, which is excellent. And then after that, her family just kind of thought, right, this girl can't be hacking England. We need to send her off to Florence. Um, so there she attended an art academy. Ah, this is very much like Amrita because Amrita was also sent to Florence. I feel like everyone goes to Florence to discover themselves in art. Too true, man. Anyway, so then in 1927, at the age of 10, this is when she first discovered surrealism. Ah. And she saw her first painting at this gallery in Paris. And she met a lot of surrealist artists because that's where the main surrealist movement was happening in Paris. Uh-huh. Um, and at first, her father like really opposed this career as an artist, but her mother really encouraged it, which is oh, adorable. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, so she returned to England and she was presented at court because she was a big girl at last. <laughs> um, but she... I didn't realise that that practice went on that late. Yeah, it is surprising, but yeah. she was in the higher echelons of society, I'm guessing. So oh, she was one. having a good time just mm-hmm. living in the aristocracy you know that's yeah, yeah, gonna yeah. eventually collapse um you know i was thinking about that the other day about the eventual imagine, collapse of the aristocracy yeah that i'm always thinking about that yeah. but specifically i was when i was watching the downton abbey film <gasps> i was thinking about how like it's mad that i wasn't born as like an upper class white woman in the 1920s that's the dream isn't it because like imagine how fun that would be and now i'll just never get to live that life dang flower yeah, it is really interesting because I was thinking about this the other day as well because my German flatmate was like, what's Downton Abbey? And so mm-hmm. I was like, how do I explain this <laughs> to this guy? And I was like, it's basically the aristocracy of England trying to like get through their hard, hard lives, <laughs> hard, not lives. whilst trying to push back their inevitable downfall. Yeah. And um, it's a great show, not going to lie. Too true, Matt. Still need to watch the movie. Yeah. Um, oh, also, by the way... Since Asia lives in London and I live in Edinburgh, we are mass producing <laughs> these episodes. So we're currently recording this episode in September, but you're not going to listen to it until November time, I think? No, like December. No, this one's going to come out at the end of November. Oh, okay. Or something. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the point is, if I sound like I have a recurring call that's going on for months on end, do not fret my children, it's fine. Anyway... If we go back to Leonora, so her mum was like, yeah, go, go ahead and do art, you go uh-huh. right now. 
and she bought her some copies of like different books, surrealist arts and stuff and she really got into it and she went to the Chelsea School of Art in London, was having a great time and everything and she met some French modernists and all that jazz. Nice. And then also a surrealist poet called Edward James was a champion of her work in Britain mm-hmm. and he bought a lot of her paintings and arranged a lot of her shows as well, especially at this really prestigious gallery in New York called Pierre Matisse's Gallery. Ooh, very nice, um, very fancy. I know, right? So, in 1936, our gal Leonara saw the work of the German surrealist Max Ernst uh-huh. at this international surrealist exhibition in London and apparently she was attracted to the artist before she met him and so in 1937 when she finally met him at a party in London they like bonded very intensively with one another and they returned to Paris where Ernst promptly separated from his wife oh my god I know this was Leonora getting in there this was very doing a Camilla I know Literally, and so they created a lot of sculptures together of garden animals, and you'll see animals come up in the painting Mm -hmm. of her that I'm going to show you. Okay. Yeah, so she had a great time. He mainly focused focused on birds, and she focused a lot on horses. Solid choices. I know, and the painting that I'm going to show you will have a horse in, so just you wait. I'm so excited. Love me a good painted horse. Yeah. But anyway, continuing with their wild love affair Uh at the outbreak of World War II, (gasps) Ernst, because he was German, he was arrested by the French authorities (gasps) for being a hostile alien. You know what? This is like, she... This is so similar to Amrita because Amrita had many affairs also, right? And then when... And she's living at the same time as Amrita was, like, they're the same era. Yeah. And Amrita, remember how, like, the day after she died, her, like, widower, I guess, was arrested by the Hungarian (coughs) police at the outbreak of war. Oh my god, you're right. This is mad. Oh, obviously, ladies in the 20th century were living some wild life. Anyway, besides that, because he had a lot of, you know, contacts, he mm-hmm. managed to get out fairly quickly of the French prison. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, because he was an intense artist, he was also arrested by the Gestapo. <gasps> the I Gestapo, know. wow. Yeah. Um, because the Nazis considered his work to be too degenerate. Uh-huh. Um, so he managed to escape, but in doing that, he left Carrington behind. <gasps> I know, our gal Leonora was very upset. And so Leonora was still in Germany? Yes. Okay. And he, I think she was in Germany, wherever they last left off oh. with one another. <laughs> yeah. The point is that he like hollered out of Europe while she was still somewhere within Europe. Okay. Um, and so he fled to America mm-hmm. with the help of this gal called Peggy Guggenheim. Is she going to Camilla the Camilla? You just you wake into just you wait. Anyway, so obviously Leonora was like, wow, my husband's gone tears, <laughs> but fair enough. I guess he had to flee Yeah. for like the sake of his life. And so at that time, she also fled to Spain Mm -hmm. and she also developed a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. and growing like delusions and it eventually she just had a breakdown at the British Embassy in Madrid (laughs) is a mood (laughs) is a a mess but is a vibe (laughs) anyway her parents then had to intervene and she was hospitalized and she was given convulsive therapy oh my god they gave her some really weird drugs um a lot of them are now no longer like allowed oh my god yeah so obviously she was very shaken by the whole affair and she was eventually released and taken into care by a nurse who took her to lisbon Uh uh-huh but then she ran away okay and sought refuge in the mexican embassy in lisbon 
Mm-hmm. And whilst all of this was going on, uh-huh. good old ho- hubby Max, yeah, he married Peggy Guggenheim. Can, is York. that even legal if he's already married? Well, well, Wikipedia did not tell me this much, oh, but bad. either polygamy was a thing or oh. they divorced. Um. Anyway, so three years after being released from the asylum with the encouragement of this guy called André Barton, mm-hmm. Harrington then wrote about her psychotic experience in a novel. Okay. called Down Below. Oh. Um, it's meant to be really interesting. I haven't read it myself, but I'd love to. Yeah, I might read that. Yeah. I need to watch Big Eyes and read. I know. So many beautiful pieces Down of literature under. are coming out of this podcast. Yeah. So in it, she talks about a lot of the types of therapy mm-hmm. that she'd been through. So like ruthless institutional therapies, sexual assault, oh my God. hallucinatory drugs, and just the unsanitary conditions God, in all of these hospitals. Awful. Yeah. And at first, a lot of people didn't believe it considering like the mental state that she was in at the time. Uh-huh. But now people are going over it and actually seeing that there are lots of truths in her words. Uh-huh very intense but she also created a lot of art to depict her experience as well yeah so for example that this one isn't the one that we're going to look at but this one called portrait of dr morales and map of down below uh-huh. so they're meant to be intense anyway so after lisbon mm-hmm. she escaped there and she arranged passage out of europe with renato leduc who was a mexican ambassador ah so leduc was a friend of picasso ah oh, picasso making it he's in our circle. last podcast yeah. now he's in this one i know and he and leduc agreed to marry her out of convenience don't you think it's crazy how famous people just end up knowing famous people it's all about contacts there was this... Yeah, but, like, the way that, like, C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien were just, like, friends, but neither yeah. of them were famous at that point, but then they both became... As in, like, I feel like once you do get a friend who becomes famous, that friend can help elevate the other friends to become famous. Mm. And it is really sad, though, that there are a lot of people who are talented out there, but one of them just hasn't managed to become famous enough to, like, then elevate the rest of the group to, like, stardom. Yeah. So we need to make sure that this happens. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This podcast hopefully on the way. Anyway, continuing with the story. So Leduc married Carrington out of convenience so mm-hmm. that she could get immunity as being, like, a diplomat's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they, like, divorced in 1943 because she was, like, the work is done and he was, like, yes, solid one. <laughs> Um, and then, so she carried on painting and everything, and her first important exhibition was in 1947 at the Pierre Gallery in New York, mm. and um, she was invited to show her work, and she just got a lot of, like, she became a celebrity overnight, basically. Which That's is kind so of cool. good. Yeah. And then in the 60s, she spent a lot of her life in New York City, um, but then she always ended up going back to Mexico. Ah. I think she just ended up falling in love with the place, and Mm -hmm. she really liked the folklore there as well. And in 1963, she was asked to create a mural, um, which was called El Mundo Magico de los Mayas. And for those who don't speak Spanish, it's the magical world of the Mayas. Oh! um, Which is meant to be amazing. It's a very cool picture, but we're also not looking at that one as well. Okay. Because (laughs) I googled it yesterday, Uh and that one, I think, has a Wikipedia page, but Ah. it was such an intense mural that I wouldn't have been able to, like, talk about it with you, because Uh, so much was going on in it. Okay. But it's just cool. Have a 
look at it, you know. Yeah. For those of you that don't have to host a podcast. <laughs> anyway. But she was also involved in a lot of like activism on behalf of women as well. Well, not on behalf because she was a woman herself. Um, so she designed um, a lot of posters for the women's liberation movement in Mexico. Nice. She was really cool. And depicting a lot of posters I depicted like this new eve of like the feminist movement finally reaching like, New South eve, America. I like the use of the name. Yeah. And so she personally and primarily focused on psychic freedom as well. Uh-huh. After obviously all yeah, the experiences, all her experiences. That she's been to. And eventually she won the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Women's Caucus for Art Convention in New York in Whoa, 1986. That's mad. I know, it's very cool. And then yeah, she later married this guy called Emerico Weiss, who was born in Hungary. Uh-huh. And he was like a photographer. And also, here's another connection as well. He was dark room manager of Robert Kappa, who is this really famous Magnum photographer oh. um, during the Spanish Civil War. You'll probably know, like, recognize his work. Oh, okay. Um, but that's also insane. So yeah, they had two sons, and it's really hilarious how Wikipedia describes these sons. Mm-hmm. He's like, one is called Gabriel, an intellectual and a poet, and Pablo a doctor and surrealist artist and that just kind of makes me think that they came out of the wombs and then they were like this is Gabrielle, the intellectual and poet and my other son Pablo the doctor and surrealist artist but also what a combo I know because you would expect intellectual and poet but not necessarily doctor and surrealist artist yeah it reminds I'm me Pablo. of our chemistry teacher in our old school who was a chemist by day but then also a painter by night as well who? Really? Yeah. I did not realise he Do was you remember his painting, the cat with no eye, or like three eyes who had missed him with missing oh an eye? Oh my god, you know what? This is like in the deep crevices of my memory. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's wild. But like, just in general, if we think about... Oh, she died, by the way, of pneumonia in 2011. Oh, sad times. It is sad. But she lived a long life. She did That's live a so very nice. long life. Yeah. And I think she did eventually find love. Because all the... A lot of the artists that I've spoken about died very suddenly. Yeah. Mm. Artists go through a lot. They do. Um, so yeah, her work just focused a lot on like magical realism and alchemy. Yeah, she enjoyed a lot of symbolism in her work with animals, and she enjoyed expressing female sexuality as she experienced it, rather than male surrealists trying to characterise what yeah. female sexuality meant. So if we now decide to actually look at one of her pieces of work, we're going to look at self-portrait. Okay. Um, also known as Inn of the Dawn Horse. I'm going to let the people get up the image themselves as well. And so it's the painting of her, a self-portrait. And on the wall there is a rocking horse. And then outside, shall I read the description? Basically. Mm-hmm. Self-portrait features an interior space consisting of two walls meeting at a corner, a ceiling and a tiled floor, and an ornately curtained window that reveals a lush green forest view and a white horse galloping in the distance. Um, so Carrington is there and she's like seated on a chair in the foreground gesturing to a lactating hyena on her right. Um, and her wild tresses appear to mimic a horse's mane as well. And the mirrors and the white colour of both the rocking horse and the horse seen in the distance and her green jacket reflect the forest exterior. Mm-hmm. Um, she gazes out to the viewer directly and sternly. And those words are courtesy of Wikipedia. Thank you very much. Anyway, <laughs> we look at the picture ourselves. One of the things that I liked the most about it when I first saw it uh-huh. was the two different kinds of horses in it. Oh, yeah. So no, there's three. 
Where's the third one? In the window. There's one in the window, one here. And that's the lactating hyena. Oh my god! <laughs> I thought it was a really mangled horse. <laughs> no, no, no. Traumatised. Just the hyena doing its thing. But obviously this was painted when she was going through quite a very intense experience in like yeah. a mental institution. Uh-huh. And I just really like the idea of her trying to bring together what nature and supposed civility are mm-hmm. and how both can be wild but also calming in their own different ways it's because okay so if we okay this is my thoughts on it okay my like amazingly qualified thoughts okay <laughs> that's the horse, what this podcast is all about the horse in the window is sort of like the being she aspires to be because it's free and galloping through the forest yeah then the horse on the um the wall is the horse that she is mm-hmm. because it has the illusion of freedom but is trapped as a rocking horse so yeah. it's never actually going forward and then the lactating hyena is the mental state she feels that she's in which is just like this mangled and confusing mess yeah um we're getting there <laughs> we're getting there slowly but surely i think i'm really I, right the, i agree on the horse thing and i also think it's really interesting that both of the horses have the same gesture yes as well so it is kind of like this desire to break free of like the reins of the rocking horse and finally become a a real boy a real woman yeah um in the wise words of pinocchio and the hyena supposedly the inclusion of the hyena may suggest an intrusion of the wild into a domestic space um which carrington is ultimately aligning herself with noted by her gesture towards the female hyena yeah she often identified with the hyena um in the same way she identified with horses saying in an interview in 1999 Mm -hmm. i'm like a hyena (laughs) (laughs) i get into the garbage cans i have an insatiable curiosity Uh uh-huh so yeah that is a wild painting. I also like the colours, some solid colouring yeah. going also, on here. I'm not sure whether or not this is, this might be a thing, it might not be. Uh-huh. But the colours that she's wearing are the suffragette colours. Ah, yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going to say that it's like blue, red and green, which are all very primary. Well, she's not wearing blue Well, she's not wearing red. it, but it's in the same area. Yeah. But I also just like composition of the painting as well, mm-hmm. in that it is a very isolated room. She doesn't so look much like she's sitting on. comfortably. No, she's obviously extreme. You can see this itching as she's like moving out of her chair to try and go outside. Yeah. Um, it is really sad. And the gold curtains give this illusion of decadence. Yeah. And like when you think of that, you do think of like civil society. Yeah. And her being in this state while supposedly being in civil society is just showing how it's not really working. Yeah. And how at the end of the day, nature and freedom that comes with that can be so much better than the supposed chains of civility. Too true, man. I saw a quote on your Wikipedia page about her that I really liked. Which one was it? Scroll up. Okay. Oh, no, this was what I was meant to say also. A quote on behalf of Leonara. That's why I put it in big, but I just skipped it completely. (laughs) I didn't have time to be anyone's muse. I was too busy rebelling against my family and learning to be an artist. Isn't that so relatable? That is such a vibe. (laughs) I love Leonara. She's great, isn't she? Leonara. Leonara. Yeah, she's great, isn't she? Yeah. And so, yeah, that's... That's my gal for this week. For this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, ah, that was so good. 
Yeah, I, I love know. her. Yeah. She's like I in another life. I what if I was gonna have artists at a dinner table, mm-hmm. I would want her and Amrita to meet. Oh, they would have such a great conversation. They would have such bands. Whereas we would just be the wallflower, just listening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm okay to do that. That was cute. Yeah. So that and also that had like a it was like a journey, but she had like a happy ending, yeah. which is really rare and nice. And I really like how she did turn her traumatic experience into something where positive where she was trying to help other women not have the same experience that yeah she had. yeah 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 um that's what it's all about kids isn't that's it? beautiful yeah i wonder what her kids are doing now <clears throat> the doctor surrealist yeah. <laughs> and the intellectual and poet who's almost <laughs> definitely living off his doctor brother oh that's <laughs> the dream it's always interesting when someone describes themselves as an intellectual yes <laughs> anyway i would what? say i'm an artist intellectual I'm sorry, you what, mate? An artist intellectual, even though our podcast describes us definitely as being unqualified. Of which we've reiterated many times. I just don't want people to think that that we are qualified (laughs) in even the slightest way. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think, I rest assured, the amount we refer to Wikipedia, I don't think anybody's gonna kid themselves. (sighs) Well, next time. Okay. Next time, we're going to be talking about a Canadian First Nations artist, Mm -hmm. Kent Monkman, and his... Well, I'll show you the painting, what it is when we record it. Um, But it's... I Surprisingly, I think we're going to have a lot more to say about the painting. Oh, interesting. So, we shall see. Wow, because I have realised in these past few episodes that a lot of our chat has been about the artist rather than the art. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that might be because we're not very good at analysing paintings. <laughs> anyway, I'm excited to hear about him. Indeed. Until um, next time. We need the jingle. Do you want to say that again? We need a jingle. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Oh, it's very good. Sound like a doorbell, didn't it? Yeah. Goodbye. Bye. This audio was brought to you by Manvir Dob and Asya Iftikhar. We don't know much to say the least. But if you would like to share your thoughts, knowledge, criticisms, fan mail, then pop us an email at audaciousaunties at gmail.com. <laughs>